millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hej och välkomna till vår podd som heter Eat, Drink, Think, Travel med Tove och Daniela. Jag är Daniela. Tove är här. Ja, hej. Hej. Hej, hej. Och såklart så sitter vi i Fredrik och Osakis studio som vanligt. Hej Fredrik. God dag, god dag. God dag, god dag. Jag har världens whiskyröst. Jag tänkte ljuga och säga att det var för att jag drack massa, massa whisky igår men det är faktiskt bara en vanlig förkylning. Vi har lite speciellt upplägg idag. Vi har gjort en intervju med Douglas McMaster från Silo i Brighton. Som är en Zero Waste-restaurang. Så vi kommer faktiskt ta hela den här podden på engelska. Mm-hmm. Från och med nu. Hjälp. Eller från och med nu. <laughs> <laughs> Nej, men intervjun är i engelska så tänkte jag att vi kanske ska ta det på engelska innan också. Mm. Eller? Ja, yeah, it's a good idea. Really? <laughs> I don't know, because you speak very good English. You speak good English yeah. too. But anyway, and Fredrik speaks good English, maybe? Okay, yeah. sure. Uh, we can try anyway. We can try. Mostly because... Douglas then can send this podcast out to his friends if anyone in England wants to listen to it, which is a good idea too. Mm. So um, I met with uh, Douglas and we should just listen to the interview sure. and then we can talk a little bit about maybe, it afterwards. I think maybe we should talk, um, maybe you could explain a little bit. Uh, about him. Uh, uh, yeah, and when did you met, you met him here in Sweden, did you? Yes, so um, I actually met Douglas uh, about two years ago for the first time. So I went to Brighton to eat at Silo which is a zero-waste restaurant. It's um, based on a concept that was started in Australia where uh, Douglas also worked at another cafe called Silo. And then he decided to take the concept to Brighton and open up a restaurant, which was a huge undertaking and a lot of work and much more work than he anticipated. But he succeeded and it is a zero-waste restaurant, which is fascinating. So I met Douglas now when he was in Stockholm to do a dinner at uh, Restaurant Academy. Uh, food and friends arranged it together with them and got to sit down with him and, and speak and he will speak about issues with the restaurant what's difficult why he's doing this and some other things and i think it's really interesting to listen to so let's listen yeah good idea. Okay. i'll play it back thanks so uh, <clears throat> i'm sitting with uh, douglas mcmaster from silo in brighton hi douglas thanks for joining our pod Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Because you're very interesting, your background and what you've done. Sure. Um, so I've been a chef for 
14 years and um, worked uh, mostly or exclusively in very fine dining restaurants and um, restaurants across the world from um, from Australia to San Sebastian to New York to Copenhagen to Stockholm to London and 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 other places as well um, and I spent many many years um, part of a, a machine that um, is uh, is very wasteful and I didn't you know realize that that was a problem to me until I met somebody who was dealing with waste and uh, showed me um, an incredible uh, it was actually a restaurant um, made out of waste materials and they had this dream to not waste food and at that point seeing that kind of being part of that made me realize how much across you know my career I I hated waste and it all sort of made sense um, to to sort of do something about that. Um, so yeah, sort of uh, connected to the subject about five years ago, um, and then in the last five years, I've been uh, opening zero waste restaurants and dealing with the issue. Um, and then in previous years, I've sort of whilst that is um, a crucial part of what I do, it's it's actually just the beginning of, of, of what I do. It's, um, it's, you know, I always like to think that zero waste is the first door and you go through that door and there's many, many more doors that open. Um, you have to sort of behave differently when you're trying to create no waste. Um, there's a lot more challenges that face you, especially in a, an industrial market um, that we sort of have to adhere to. Um, and uh, so I sort of um, realised that to make to to be zero waste, we had to make every single thing from scratch. Like more than you'd realise has to be done um, from scratch. And um, whilst that is quite daunting to a lot of you know restaurateurs and chefs, it's very rewarding. And if you're clever about how you promote that and how you sort of simplify the process to allow that to allow that sort of you know caveman cooking um it's uh the the product changes for the better or it should do <laughs> if you do it well um and uh, that is very rewarding of course um it makes business very unique um just to give some examples um we uh we we make our own almond milk and we um m- mill our own flour and we churn our own butter and we butcher whole animals um so we do all of these things uh, to avoid packaging but what's amazing is that how much that changes the business how much kind of um how much of a unique nature it adds and when you sort of come into the restaurant and eat the food it does taste different and it does feel different um and uh, the model the business model for me is a very very exciting one and i definitely think this is a first of of many and in the future there will be more silo-esque restaurants but is it um it must be much more um staff consuming to, to run a restaurant like this like did you think that it would be the same as a normal restaurant and have you discovered it's more or so definitely always that was the biggest fear um now there are multiple kind of efficiencies which can um you know make that labor cost uh, come down 
Um, I'll go into them in a bit maybe, but um, basically it is still more, you know. I think as a typical restaurant, a very, you know, in my experience, you know, working in restaurants, they'd always, you know, aim to sort of hit a 35%, you know, staff cost, you know, of your total revenue. Um, Or some people say 30, but I think that is quite low. Um, And, um, yeah, so... Silo is 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 always forty and above. Mm. Always, now so it's more like a fine dining restaurant. I yeah, guess. yeah, exactly. It is like a fine dining restaurant, but the, now the what? But not with the fine dining prices because you yeah. are not expensive. No, no. Um, but the the key is that, okay. So as a business, you know, how do you shift that cost? Where does it shift? And the obvious solution is 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 food, is ingredient costs, because that is cheaper mm. because it's wholer. You know, if you buy a whole animal, it's three pound a kilo. If you buy the same animal but broken down for you, it works out an average six pound a kilo. Mm. So you're literally doubling, uh, sorry, you're halving your cost of a cow. <laughs> And that's a lot of money. Um, with wheat, you know, we bought a £3,000 uh, flour mill, which paid for itself in, um, in six months um, because whole wheat is cheaper. Now, after six months, you know, a year and a half later, we're, um, you know, we're, we're making money from that because we're a bakery and we bake 20 kilos of flour a day. So, you know, that's a lot of money. That money adds up. Um, and so on and like butter and yogurt and cheese these are all expensive things compared to the price of milk Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah you have to be super super clever with you know not doing you know 20 things when you can do you know four things you've got to be you know you've got to limit what you actually you, you know you spend your time doing and what goes on the menu you have to have a simple menu of course but i think in the future you know culturally we'll appreciate a limited menu you know i think that is already starting starting i think so too yeah so hopefully people will recognize not only that the quality is higher but you know in my little zero waste world people will be able to see a limited menu and think you know that's because this restaurant's ecologically okay mm-hmm. you know it's not good but it's not dreadful like every other restaurant um so you know hopefully that that sort of uh, cultural appreciation will shift um so 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 yeah no the um the the staff costs are higher it's a different model but i can i can happily say that as a business we're profitable you know we made um in our first year we made 20,000 which i think is 200 corona oh, 20, yeah, yeah 200,000 corona in the first year profit which you know i'm i'm not going to yeah it's good i'm not going to go buy myself a ferrari just yet but mm-hmm. it works <laughs> It won't be terribly zero waste. <laughs> yeah. You have to get a horse. <laughs> and buy the best shy horse money can buy. Yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Have a horse outside. Has I mean Brighton Brighton is a fascinating town because and the fact that you choose to have silo in Brighton is also very interesting because mm. Brighton as a whole seems like a very wasteful town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um when it comes to everything, you mm. know, people go there and party town. Has um, and where your neighborhood, where Silo is, has some part of Silo seeped into your surroundings? You think? 
has it affected your little street corner? I, I think um, it's a difficult, difficult question. It's a really difficult sort of, you know, um, the problem with the problem with you know people and wasting things is that it's it's uh, very ingrained um into us to 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 be okay to waste you know for me you know i i sort of have these sort of silly visions of like people being like you know arrested for wasting things and taxed for wasting things and you know to be sort of looked down upon you know if you're going to look down upon somebody for you know there's all sorts of sort of you know cultural prejudice but but waste is not one and it should be yeah it's a really terrible thing and you know in my journey of understanding you know waste as an issue i learn about this you know industrialization and how that's affected you know the western world and um you you realize um that not only you know does um industrial food processes physically waste a lot of energy a lot of materials a lot of water a lot of etc etc but it changes our anticipation and our expectation of Mm -hmm. of of how we can eat and buy and sell and consume food it it makes us (coughs) believe you know that food is something very very disposable and the 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 um, the products around food is very disposable and you know you, you can see it everywhere like and also we don't touch it anymore no if it comes in the packaging it's no. like we lose that respect for actually absolutely being part of the food and mm. of what we consume and i find the most interesting part is that when i grew up my mom always said don't throw away your food yeah you know we always ate all our leftovers yeah, yeah. the freezer was always filled with stuff yeah. <laughs> you know we picked all our berries yeah. Nothing was thrown out. No. And that's part of, you know, your sort of upbringing. So to you, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of primal almost mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to, to treat food in a respectful manner. And, you know, you can always, I use the word caveman a lot, but like you can always use that sort of uh, analogy. You always think like, okay, if I was living in a cave, what would I, you know, how would I eat? How would I consume food? How would I waste food or not waste food? And, you know, it's just very different um, to to sort of a world we live in today. But um, I think that uh, fundamentally, you know, food is, you know, the source of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to go too deep, but um, I think that there's, um, yeah, we've sort of turned our back on you know organic nature i don't mean on organic as a certification i mean organic in its purest form like food is made up of yeah bacterias and um all of the all of the things we need to sustain life now industrially the process is to kill that life you know because that life (coughs) is what makes bad business you know that that life is what you know, makes food sour or ferment or go rancid and big businesses can't deal with that. So they strip the nature out of food to make it 
have shelf life and make it convenient and to give people more choice that is you know industrial food um but in every single way that is bad that is bad for our health especially you know we're eating dead food which has no you know life to it this mm-hmm. is why there's everybody's suffers with gluten intolerances and lactose intolerances because the food is denatured and pasteurized and you know, our bodies are just um, unresponsive. Just yeah. yeah, we don't know what to do with it. Yep. And um, <clears throat> see, I'm in the same belief that, and we also see an increase in allergens. In you yeah. know, when I was a kid, mm. you were allergic to cats. Yeah. You know, there's very yeah. few people that was yeah. allergic to like lactose yeah. or gluten, yeah. and yeah, and it's. I think that more in the US maybe, but it's also now coming more here and, mm. you know, all these diets and everything, it's, you know, you're supposed to do certain things, but eating McDonald's is fine, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's okay. So I, I'm 100% with you in that whole sense. And also, I think that zero waste is a much more, um, it's a better word than sustainability. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I'm really glad you picked up on that because zero waste is looked upon as, I can't well, it is a buzzword and uh, I'm sure you were telling me earlier about, you know, food trends and the pros and cons. And I'm sure mm. there's pros and cons of it being a buzzword, but um, I really like that people don't actually you know look at it necessarily as literally not wasting i like that you know you've just addressed that as something more than you know not using a bin um i think that's really nice because for me that's exactly what it is for me it's like a philosophy and i hate using that i hate saying that word it makes me cringe but it is it really really is because you know there's uh i won't go into this but there's a book called one straw revolution and anyone interested in any of these um subjects should read one straw revolution and it's a farmer philosopher guy called masanobu fukuaka um and he's a total genius and he um talks about nature in a brilliant way and he's uh, everything that we've been talking about about sort of um natural organic systems we need to focus more on that and less on these big industrial systems um and in that book he doesn't use the term zero waste but he he, he's always referring to like natural systems and nature having like no waste it doesn't nature doesn't have waste um and i remember reading that book and this is quite a few years into tackling zero waste um i just thought that's so 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 brilliant like using zero waste is like different philosophies the stoic philosophy and the existential philosophy there's philosophies with a sort of a title and i love this idea of zero waste um you know you can call it whatever you want but for me it seems fitting to call us sort of a a, a belief and approach to eating and living naturally and having the umbrella term as zero waste um because in nature there is no waste as uh, masanobu brilliantly describes Mm -hmm. in his book so yeah i really like that i also think that we if we start looking at sustainability before we look at zero waste, we're starting in the wrong direction mm. because we really have to start at zero waste. It's the only way to stop mm. GMOs or yep. the use of, you know, or Monsanto and all those mm. incredibly 
evil and yeah. scary corporations yeah, yeah. that sure. claim that we are not able to feed the whole world. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. if we start with an expression like zero waste, maybe people will realize that we can. It's great. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. So, I am me too. <laughs> really hope so. Yeah, it's freaking scary otherwise, mm. you know. And and the loss of, you know, indigenous apples, for instance. Yeah, or yeah. anything yeah. like that. This is the other sort of side of um, the subject, you know, agriculturally. Yeah, there's brilliant people like, you know, Dan Barber mm. and uh, Michael Pollan and, um, you know, brilliant people that are talking about how this industrial um, um, kind of control, no, not in control, but the man- industrial manipulation of the planet, you know, I'm sort of saying it's very wasteful and it's bad for our health, but then, you know, they're talking about like the diversity of, of nature. They're talking about, you know, the ingredients that we've lost and the sort of, you know, Dan Barber particularly as a chef is he's, he's talking a lot about, you know, um, you know, once upon a time, we, the, the chef's um, options were literally endless, uh, whereas now we can write it, all of our options on a piece of paper. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, in terms of diversity, we were talking about, um, you know, sort of allergens and we're talking about diversity in, 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 in nature, but diversity in our, in our gut, you know, our gut, the gut is another sort of uh, trending subject within a niche world of um, health and well-being like the gut has more um yeah it's more complex than the human brain um and uh, industrial foods you know diet uh kills the bacteria in the gut and without that rich diversity in the gut your defense system is so weak which is why people are so sort of um I always get in trouble when I say people are so ill these days because it is and it isn't true, you know, whilst... Uh, well, it's like everything. It's part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're part of what we do. Yeah. There's no denying that. Our defence is so, so low now, uh, but obviously people are living longer and living better because of advanced, you know, science. It's kind of like a, a seesaw. It's kind it's of... two sides of, to the coin. Yeah, I just yeah. had this discussion with a friend who's traveling through... He's American and he's traveling through Europe with his other friend who's also American. And his friend always carries antibiotics with him. Really? So as soon as he feels the slightest cold or anything really? come on, he takes these antibiotics. <laughs> and it's so terrible. It's yeah. so bad for him um, that we made these things available and we use them so freely mm. and ultimately it's going to end up damaging yeah. him more than it's yeah. going to help him yeah yeah, but, yeah but it's so interesting you you look at that i don't know if you see it the same as me or anyone sees it the same as me but like it's like short-term wins yeah and it's the same in economy you know like um you look at industrial economy you look at you know what why these big businesses are looking at these sort of these processes and the whole thing's you know a short-term win so like for instance pardon me the the cost of food is so so low mm. and we think oh this is amazing it's so so low but then what you don't see is the cost of all of the the problems that mm-hmm. are being fixed 
um, there was somebody was telling me about like the American healthcare bill, and like in oh, I won't be able to remember the statistics, but it was absolutely unbelievable. So to fix all of the health in schools, or uh, that's not true, but to 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 make every single uh, school in America eat organic healthy food would cost it was something like two billion mm. um and there's an amazing statistic like in one year the american healthcare bill had gone up by like two i think it might be trillion who knows it's silly 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 figures um and so in every way it makes sense to be like right okay let's put the money into the schools you know to sort of stop the problem from happening but it's not obviously that simple. It's like saying, oh, no, the hospitals, people who are suffering with obesity and diabetes and all these things, sorry, you can't have your care mm. because we're going to invest in schools. They can't do that. You know, that's, it goes against a lot of, you know, uh, fundamental uh, principles of what, you know, um, society deems acceptable. But it's like they so they can't fix the problem it's like they've got a noose around their neck mm. um and it's just this yeah it's terrifying it's terrifying yeah we need to come up with a a good long-term plan which i think people do and people like you do all the time but your scale and your way of working is so small mm. that it affects a certain amount of people mm -hmm. all the time but mm -hmm. it's not enough you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um There need to be more people doing what you do, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
You know, the silo uh, model can be replicated in a restaurant, it can be replicated in a hotel, mm-hmm. it can be re- replicated in a, a hospital, in a town, in a village. You know, it's a simple, basic principle of like, you know, looking around us, um, working directly, working, you know, you addressed earlier, like seeing your food um, and, you know, uh, having simple ecological systems in place, you know, composting and uh, having uh, ways of cleaning and doing all the things that we need to do in the modern world in a sort of more ecological way. You know, I could list them on one hand what those things are. Um, Those technologies and sciences, they exist today. They're not as you know, well known as people, uh, as I would like uh, them to be, but they're, they're there. And, you know, so then it's just very simple. Like it's very, very simple how that could be replicated into, I always like to, in my, my, my head, I always dream of this like little village mm. and, um, it's having, uh, a sort of a cooperative and it being very off grid and, um, you know, having somebody, it's quite, uh, <laughs> sounds quite novel, but it, it, it is the silo model and it's having some guy baking the bread and milling the flour and then some guy, you know, having cows and churning butter and making cheese and then another guy, da da da, and then having this like small, system um in which the food is all created um from scratch from from around them and they're working directly with all the produce and the ingredients and them having this is not like um an ancient thing this is a you know you could do this today of course you could but it's like also saying that uh, the industrial revolution really sucks <laughs> <laughs> well this is interesting i always get uh people saying oh why are you always being so negative about industry i'm not like mm-hmm. i think the industrial revolution is one of the best things that's ever 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 happened it's incredible. incredible but we've dealt with it we've sort of got carried away and Absolutely. not questioned every output of it so like capitalism is not a bad thing it's only bad when you get greedy people involved in capitalism which unfortunately is one of the worst human traits is greed um but capitalism fundamentally is an incredible idea um and so is you know industrial um machinery like with everything else we mishandled it and now i mean ultimately like you said we're going to be the ones paying for it as well oh yeah um yeah which is scary yeah but there's a few things about silo that i was super impressed with um obviously the compost which is an amazing Mm-hmm. invention yeah um but your water system is so cool yeah yeah and it's... how you don't use any soap in the yeah. restaurant at all <laughs> yeah this is quite the extreme example of um you know ecological uh finding a way around so in terms of zero waste like one of the biggest diff- most difficult things to 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 work out in a restaurant or i'm sure in any commercial environment of today you know there's laws and legislations you have to have certain ways to clean and certain standards to keep with hygiene and health and well-being and whatnot and um yeah and cleaning products is very non-natural these days um 
and there's a lot of packaging because non-natural things have to have non-natural uh, packaging and um, that's a problem for me um, so uh, I managed to actually, uh, when I was in Australia actually I was um, uh, very lucky to meet somebody who was using this electrolyzed oxidized water which is basically um it sounds very complicated in science sciency but it's actually very old science it's very uh very simple actually so it's water just tap water that goes through a filter which is called reverse osmosis it's just a fancy word for a, a very, very fine filter. And then the water gets electrolyzed, which basically separates uh, or splits the bacteria into acid and alkaline, um, or splits the pH, should I say, into acid and alkaline. Um, and what that does is puts the, the water and all the microbes in the water into extreme states of acid and alkaline, so two extreme states. Now, at those extreme states, water, uh, sorry, bacteria cannot survive. It cannot survive in like extreme acid and extreme alkali. It kills it, suffocates it to death. Um, so it kills 99.9999999% of bacteria in so water. So more than soap, essentially. Yeah, so it's, it's actually cleaner than soap, but it's, it's water. Um, so then some clever person about 30 years ago had the idea of using that to... Um, more than 30 years. They used it in uh, Japanese surgeons' surgeries. They still do. Um, so the Japanese wanted a more natural way to kind of wash their hands when they were in surgery so if they were cutting a body open um, they wanted to wash their hands but also they wanted to wash the wound to kill any bacteria um, because if you're you know somebody's body is open and you know some bacteria lands on the surface and it could fester and go bad they could just wash that over with with water essentially but would kill any sort of external you know bad bacterias um yeah and so that's what it was kind of created for and then some somebody decided to to sell it to restaurants um i think there's only like 20 or 30 in the world it's not exactly popular just because it's unknown thus far it's totally um what's the word uh um sort of business friendly you know they have all of the sort of um paperwork and and stuff to to make it legal and to make it acceptable and yeah so silo we took on this system and it, what it meant for us was there was no packaging so the machine is in the basement and you know it's just hooked up to the uh, to the main water supply and um so you put your hand under it and comes red and then yeah it yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, and it was just literally tap water in the restaurant that meant you could, uh, you know, customers in the, in the toilets would be able to wash their hands with this stuff. And then uh, downstairs in the kitchen, we'd have, you know, pumps that pumped out different solutions of acid and alkaline, um, which were very, you know, um, almost identical to like what cleaning products would do. You know, one and an acid would, you know, break down and cut through grease and bacteria and uh, the alkaline um, would sanitize 
I said that the wrong way around. The acid would sanitize and the alkaline would, would cut through grease and break down bacterias. And uh, we literally cleaned a whole building um, with, with water. And, you know, it's totally natural. It's just water and there's a bit of salt in there. Um, so totally natural. Zero waste. There's absolutely no packaging at all. And there's, um, uh, what was the third thing? Oh, yeah, there's no road miles. <laughs> it's all done on site. So right. I'm not getting some guy to deliver 10 kilos of chemical cleaning product every two months. You know, there's no road miles. But I remember you telling me that it wasn't really approved by uh, the health department. Uh, no, it is. Oh, yeah, it is? Yeah, okay. No, it is. Yeah, they didn't. Maybe I said that they didn't approve right. of it. Like they didn't understand it so they were like very um like what the hell is this sort of attitude because like i say there's only like there's not that many i don't know how many there are in england you know probably count them on one hand i don't think Um, there's any in sweden no no um so so yeah no it's it's a it's a you know a lot of people are afraid of it but it is just water this is natural this is another amazing example of how you know we can apply ourselves to natural systems and they we will find the answers you know like um there's brilliant solutions popping up all over the world with with natural solutions rather than non-natural solutions i thought that was just the most amazing things not that the other stuff that you do isn't amazing, but, mm. you know, milling your flour, baking your bread, that's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. Sure. Like this whole water system yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was so amazing. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive. Mm. I think, for me, the, 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 I guess, the big thing about what Silo is and what it represents, what it stands for, is bringing all these ideas together. Mm. It's all of it, all of it together in one place that's doing it all. Um... And making it, you know, real, making mm-hmm. it commercially viable, making it work, making it profitable, making it, you know, good, um, because no one's, you know, no one's doing that. And um, uh, hopefully people will see that, it, you know, it is possible and they will uh, take it on. No one has yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, um, for your produce, I know you work with something called the Catchbox Corporate Co-op, yeah, yeah. Um, with the fish, and I thought that was really great as well. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, this is where it gets a bit controversial. So I'm actually not using them anymore. Okay. Ooh. So I think one of the best um, qualities to adopt as anybody dealing with any kind of innovation is to never assume you know everything, never. In fact, you have to be super humble, you have to be super, um, you know, question yourself Mm -hmm. all the time. Be confident, but, you know, question every single thing that you're doing and not be too proud to be like, this is wrong. wrong." Mm -hmm. Now, I say all the time, like, you know, um, we get things wrong every single day, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I think it's super important that you're honest and you don't let any kind of ego get in the way of, of progress, um, which is very common. Um, so Catchbox, in this example, um, was something that, you know, made a lot of sense. It was like the the catch, the, the, <coughs> the byproduct of big catches. So, you know, when these big fishing boats would go out and they'd um, 
uh, take they 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 catch they cast their nets and take back you know these nets and there'd be all this fish that you know they could sell but then there's a lot of fish they couldn't sell so they'd throw these dead fish back in the ocean now the catch box was like right let's use this these fish that are getting thrown away um so it's um sounds like you know a win-win boom but yeah i was wrong like yeah so we got this guy he's local to brighton and he's a properly um i wouldn't know how to describe him he's very uh aggressive sort of like insular man who sort of keeps himself to himself and he's obsessively he's into you know fishing and uh, marine life and he's very intelligent man who spent his career you know working to try and save the ocean he's not a very social man he's not very charismatic not very charming in any way and he used to like challenge everything we did with fish um which is good you know it was it's hard when you're trying your best um but yeah he was very much like where's that from where's that did you know this and did you know that like really pulling our pants down on what we were using for fish in the catch box ah did not like catch box um so anyway, one day I said to him, this was on Instagram, <laughs> he was just like, you da-da-da, you phonies, you don't know what you're talking about, you're full of da-da-da, and really aggressively kind of, you know, going at us. And I was like, mate, I'm trying my best, you know. And so I said, all right, tell you what, you come into Silo and you tell all my staff what they should be doing and what, what's going on, you know, in fishing. And it was, you know, none of us particularly liked the guy. <laughs> Uh, but we all learned a lot. No, it was it was pretty remarkable. Um, and basically, he you know explained to us how the fishing industry worked. He um, uh, explained who has the rights to fish where, and it's really bad. That's really bad. Like, so what happened with the catch box? What was wrong with it? Can you say that? Yeah, well, it's basically we're supporting the, the wrong big, kind of okay. fishing. We're keeping them, we're giving them money. We're, we're saying it's okay to do what you're doing and don't feel bad anymore because we'll eat your waste. So right. like, it is massively financially and um, <laughs> you know, motivationally telling them that what they're doing is fine um and you take care of the the leftovers so to speak yeah but basically we're saying yeah go out in your big boats and destroy the ocean and it's like no no it's wrong um so yeah so we realized that that was not the future of fishing so what do you do now um lots of little things uh it's actually quite simple um you know supporting small boats Mm -hmm. some more uh always you know it's very simple but hook and line you know anything line caught is is a good thing um and choosing fish small fish you know fish that uh that no one wants you know quite simple you know uh choices really just yeah don't go for tuna or monkfish (laughs) choose the small fish but it's difficult because obviously as a business you have to make it commercially attractive um but again that's where creativity comes in that's where applying some sort of unique uh there's there's ways of there's ways of managing uh those 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 problems amazing can you just i know you don't you think it's difficult with zero waste at home because like you said you're a commercial business but just say one thing that we could do 
to improve at home? Um, buy a small fish. That's <laughs> <No. good. laughs> um, So, yeah, just um, question everything. I think that, like, uh, I'm lucky to have met some amazing people in the zero waste world. And, you know, I've learned loads of tricks for homes that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, like toothpaste. You know, because I'm I spend you know hundred hours of my week being very um, tired and stressed sometimes about what I do. So I don't want to go home and start making toothpaste. Um, but you know, it kind of it came a point where I felt like I have to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to not um, be. So you make your own toothpaste? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you make it? So it's super easy. And um, coconut oil. There's loads of ways to do it. And I know some people that literally just put eucalyptus oil on a toothbrush, and that's it every day. Boom. But they, I always think back. What, would, what did cavemen use to clean their teeth? Like, <laughs> it's genuinely, that's what I was saying yeah. earlier. Like sometimes, you just imagine yourself being a caveman. What would you do? Um, so yeah, eucalyptus is you put it on your teeth and rub it. I don't know what they did exactly, but it feels very primitive. Um, but yeah, some people do that. Coconut oil mixed with essential oils like peppermint, and then you put bicarbonate of soda in. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little mixture of bicarb, coconut oil, and uh, there's loads of other things you can add that do different things, but essentially in its most basic toothpaste form, uh, coconut oil, um, uh, peppermint, uh, essential oil, or you know any other mint, whatever you want, mm-hmm. really. And then yeah, bicarbonate of soda, and that will literally clean your teeth as well as any other toothpaste in the world. And it's obviously zero waste and natural. Amazing. So that's something that everyone can do at home. I'm gonna do that now. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, if you go on the blog, Trashes for Tosses. Right, Lauren. Lauren Singer. Yeah. She she can. I can she, recommend following her on Instagram. I started, yeah. and she's very inspiring. She's a good chick. Yeah. So yeah, follow her, and she's got all the videos on YouTube about how to make everything in your home, um, you know, without creating waste. Amazing. Thanks, Doug, for taking the time. No worries. It's been a pleasure. It's awesome. Yeah, that was really interesting. I know, right? Yeah. He's such a fascinating person. Yeah. And uh, can you really have zero waste? Is that really, really possible? Yeah, it I is really so. possible. So what he talks about with the water flow and how he works with his suppliers. But, I mean, it does take a village. It takes people around you that are willing to cooperate and, you know, think out of the box. He doesn't have, like he says, nothing gets delivered in plastic. Everything gets delivered in crates. Um the water, he doesn't have any soap. It's all this system that is designed to work. And it really does work. And it's mm. amazing. Mm. But you've been there mm-hmm. and you've tasted his food as well. Yes. Um, wh- what do you think about the food? I think the food's really, really good. And I actually thought it was even better now that I tasted it here in Stockholm as well. I think that he's uh, maybe that now that the restaurant is a little bit more set, he has time to evolve his kitchen as well. Because I know that when he opened, it was a lot of stress and a lot of focus on getting all these components to work together. Um, I think that his cooking is is really nice, um, very rustic, but very, very flavorful. Uh, it works a lot with vegetables, which I like. And he's just, um, he's a sensitive person. He's a sensitive cook and, he me- you know, everything that he does resonates in the whole zero waste movement. And in the end, when he says that... Um, you know, he teaches us how to make toothpaste. I think that's really amazing. <laughs> so I think we should all make 
our own toothpaste. Yeah. I know that you've been um, really inspired by him in your in your own life, haven't you? A little bit, a little bit yeah, honest. I mean, totally. I think that uh, waste for me is something that I feel really ashamed of. Um, I feel ashamed that when I throw away food or anything like that, I feel ashamed when I have a lot of, you know, garbage. And I started to um, keep track of how many times I empty my garbage at home, uh, which is a good way of realizing how many things you throw away mm. and packaging and everything. And um, I stopped buying um, makeup that comes in plastic. So I only buy it if it's uh, glass jars. Mm. And all the glass jars that um, I do have at home, I reuse. Like I don't throw any glass away. So instead of buying plastic containers, I only have glass containers in my refrigerator. So small things. I don't think that I will ever be completely zero waste. It's not going to happen. But I think that if we all just start thinking a little bit about it, I mean, there's a long way that we can go. Mm. What What do you think about zero waste, Fredrik? Of course, it's an amazing thing. If if um, if it works, um, but I have a question about his restaurant. Mm-hmm. Was the purpose to have a zero waste establishment, or was he? Did he? No, yeah, that was always the purpose. Okay, so yeah. the the cuisine is second hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's zero waste uh, restaurant uh, silo in uh, Australia is a zero waste cafe. So mm. very simple. Okay. And then when he opened in Brighton, he really wanted. We did want to focus on the food as well, but um, main focus was to create a restaurant that was zero waste. Mm. With so really great is the food. food based on things and produce that's easy to... Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So all local, um, and he talks about this as well, and it's very important to realize who you work with. And when he talks about Catchbox and that whole system and how he learned from his mistakes, I think it's really, really good. And we also have to realize that we always say that we're going to do something and we set out to reach a goal, right? So it's it's a long road to get there and we don't get there right away and we're going to make mistakes along the way. And I think he's really humble when he speaks about that. And I think that's uh, that's what makes this interview really interesting. He doesn't proclaim to be some kind of uh, zero-waste uh, Jesus. Like mm. He makes mistakes and he learns from them. Um, and he does things to improve and, and better and... I just think it's um, it's pretty amazing, mm. and I also think that he's starting to become a role model for, for other chefs in the world. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, there is the whole movement, and I know that we've spoken to um, to Matt Adamas about this particular thing, and they're you know gearing towards becoming less wasteful as well. And a lot of restaurants do that right now. Mm. I mean, we have a re- we have a social responsibility. So we need to be careful about mm. how we act. Definitely. Yeah, and I think this is just you know a part of of what we can talk about about zero waste because we can we could actually talk about it a lot much more. Yeah. But this is a good way to start. I It's think. It's a good way to start. And if anyone has any any um, thoughts around this, please email us. I think that we would love to hear other people's thoughts and also maybe things that you do at home Mm. what do you do do you reuse uh, your plastic bags or you know do you grate your you know cheese leftovers like my mom did and all these things Um, I think that it would be amazing to hear from people email addresses as usual contact at tovedaniela.com yeah yeah thank you yeah thank you that's it for (laughs) serious pod today (laughs) thank you very much
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.